Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Okay, the question of the hour. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. It's our weekly gentleman's hour. Gentlemen, you in particular, I want to hear your thoughts. My husband and I have been debating this for years and I will admit I am leaning more so in his opinion on this and the question is can men and women just be friends is it possible for men and women to just be friends I find that men tend to be a little more passionate about this and tend to lean in the direction of arguing that men and women can't just be friends so I want to hear your thoughts though Give me a call. The number is 1-888-914-9149. I've also thrown this question up on my Instagram story. We'll post it on uh, Twitter and Facebook too. So go and share your thoughts. Yes or no. Can men and women just be friends? And then qualify. Explain why or why not you believe that men and women can or cannot just be friends. It's an intriguing question that I think demands quite a bit of nuance. uh, And it's actually an issue that a lot of people have to navigate. Whether you are in your single years, your dating years, where you know, you're know you having to navigate, is it okay to have this friendship still while dating someone? Or if you're single, you are not intending necessarily to be in a relationship with someone, but it seems like you may be leading the other person on. And finally, when married, how do you navigate the friendship pool with people of the opposite sex? Is it possible? You're listening to Trending with Timory. It is our weekly gentleman's hour. If you want to weigh in on the conversation, the number is 1-888-914-9149. Also, again, you can share your thoughts on my Instagram. Just follow me at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. We're also taking your questions today surrounding difficult abortion questions. I'm also going to follow up on some fascinating questions I've received surrounding contraception, abortion, and Plan B. That is uh, also known as the morning after pill. And some tricky things that the American College of Gynecologists did to dupe many people into believing that Plan B and hormonal contraception perception is not possibly leading to abortions. It's actually an absolute myth, and they actually manipulated language and have led 
millions of people to believe that this is the case when the reality is is that plan B as well as hormonal contraception can indeed kill a baby. I'll explain to you why it's an important conversation that we have to have along with some of your difficult questions you have been sending me. But before we go there, again, it's our weekly Gentleman's Hour and joining me today is Father Nathan Cromley. He's the founder and president of Eagle Eye Ministries as well as the St. John Institute. And he works in particular with forming the next generation in not just faith-filled practices, but taking their faith into the workforce now and even into our day-to-day lives, remembering that work is a part of what all of us do, whether we have a full-time job or full-time moms or whatever that might be, what is our work ethic? And today, during our Gentleman's Hour, we're talking about how men relate to the importance of work and the importance of truth in today's culture. Father Nathan Cromley, welcome back to Trending. Well, thanks so much. I'm glad to be back with you again. Let's talk about work. It's interesting with so many of the conversations surrounding, as you and I actually discussed a few weeks ago, the great resignation, where many people are actively searching for a new job, wanting to change the type of profession they're in. We're seeing kind of this uh, crisis when it comes to the definition of who am I in relation to my job. But at the same time, we're seeing many men in particular are struggling with the ruthless and cutthroat cultures that are sullying their attitudes around work, as well as struggling with not checking out when there's any sort of animosity in the workforce. And so I think that brings into the conversation a distinctly Catholic perspective of how to overcome checking out when you're looking to transition jobs or just in a difficult work position. Well, you know, I I think the number one thing is a mental game, Timory. We need to remember that the reason God sends us into a broken world is to provide his solution. Sometimes I think we, we look for a world where everything is smooth and easy. And we say that the biggest problem in the world is that there are problems in the world. And I like to flip that on its head a little bit and say, on the contrary, the fact is we continue the Savior's mission of bringing peace where there is none and bringing healing where there is not, where there's wounds and bringing salvation where it's needed. And if you look at it from that angle, I have my job and I'm in that workplace in order to be God's hero and to bring his light and his truth there where it's needed. I guess what I'd like to say is maybe we should stop looking for the ease in the workplace and look instead at the workplace as part of our mission. Mm, I think that that is a really important distinction or even attitude to have, as you said, a mental shift, but that ease in the workplace that I think many people want. I think a lot of people want to show up at work, sit down and be comfortable or be comfortable in the respect that they feel really confident. You know, they're just kicking butt at their job. You know, their ego's being peppered. But the reality is, is that in most instances, there are difficult days, moments, people, and seasons. And that can lead to a lot of discomfort that leads to that checked out mentality that I think men in particular really do struggle with. But you know, isn't that something, Timory, that our men would, would struggle with that when we, we were made for challenge? I mean, I think part of the problem is that we, we've given our men uh, the ability to say that my life is supposed to be easy and it's supposed to be taken care of. 
And we kind of get into a sense of perfectionism around ourselves and around our mission that can be defeatist. And I, I want to remind everybody, and especially my brothers in the Lord, that, hey, the church was not built by men who, who were looking for what was easy, you know, and businesses aren't built by people. You don't build anything if you expect it to already exist. The idea is to go where there is nothing and leave something behind. And every day at work, that's exactly what you do. You start with a list of, list of tasks that need to be accomplished. And it's your opportunity to use the intelligence and the grit and the character that God's given you to bring a wonderful solution to all those tasks. But you have to have that, that mentality of instead of, hey, my job, I'm looking for a job that's exciting for me. It's like, yes, I hope you find a job that's exciting for you, but you'll never find, may you never, may you never find a job that's easy for you. What I mean by that is a job that doesn't need you. I think that the deepest need in the heart of every man is to be needed. And what a neat idea to consider this, that where you are in your career can be a place where you actually are needed, needed by Christ for this world and needed by this world for Christ. So let's talk a little bit more about that, that idea of the workplace being a place of mission. I don't think that most men or even women think about the workplace as a mission unless they're actually in an apostolate, a non-for-profit. But what you're saying is that no matter what the work environment we find ourselves in is a part of our mission, distinguishable from, let's say, okay, I'm a father and I have to provide for my family. You're saying that even the environment you're in, you're called to be on that mission. What does that look like concretely for men? Oh, yeah, sure, Tingley. I think this is a really great topic, by the way. So thanks for bringing me on to talk about it. <laughs> It, here's why it's so important, everybody. When we were when we were created by God, He gave us a personality and a set of talents. He gave us a gift in our soul, and that gift has to be deployed using our own freedom and our determination and our will. It gets to be deployed using our freedom, determination, and our will. And the place where we get to deploy it is there in our workspace. And I mean this really very seriously. If you're an architect. You are keeping buildings, not only making beautiful spaces, but you're making spaces that don't collapse, spaces that serve the common good, and you get to make spaces that make this world better. If you're an accountant, you get to actually make sure that the world of finance is done in an organized fashion, according to all of the laws that are stipulated for our society. Without accountants, there'd be so much corruption that goes on in the world, but you know, the business itself would, end, would, would lose track of its ability to right itself. If we don't have people in those positions doing things with their natural talents, the world will, will not function. And this is what John Paul II emphasized in his letter on, the, on Christ's lay faithful, where he said, the world owes, the, the church owes this proclamation to the world. Christ loves you. And you show that love by deploying your natural talents towards real needs. And I, I love to say, my friends, that's where spirituality gets real. That's where charity becomes concrete. I mean, what do you expect to become a saint just by going to church? I mean, in fact, you're a saint by going to church? No, it's if you take the church into society and take the church into the culture, that's where your sanctity becomes real and it becomes actual 
because it becomes as real as your name. And I think, mm-hmm. Tim Marie, the place where that becomes profound and anchored is when people take real stock of their work and say, this is my mission. This is where I'm going to become a saint. And if I don't become a saint here, I don't know where I'm actually going to become a saint. This is where I'm putting my life. So determination and will are mixed into viewing whatever workplace we find ourselves in, good, bad, non-for-profit, for-profit, as a part of our mission, the attitude in terms of how we interact with other people, but also in terms of what we're actually doing, that we're doing our best. One, I think, question that comes up for me that everyone has been there or maybe currently find themselves in that situation, Father Nathan, has to do with bad bosses. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Tim Marie here on Relevant Radio, That's Father Nathan Cromley, the founder and president of Eagle Eye Ministries and the St. John Institute, helping to equip the next generation in faith and seeing the dignity and value in their work. You can find them at stjohninstitute.org. That's S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org. We'll post a link on social media as well as in the podcast notes for today's show. But Father Nathan, as I was saying, many people find themselves with terrible, terrible bosses for seasons, for times for whatever reason. It may be that the boss is going through a difficult circumstance in his or her life. It could be that they just don't know how to be a good leader. It could be a clash of personalities, any number of things. How do you navigate a seemingly bad boss or tense boss relationship when we're called to see our work environment as a missionary field? I love, I love that question, Timory. It reminds me of some of the topics that I've treated on my podcast, which is called Dare Great Things for Christ. I do a whole, you know, we've done about 180 segments on the workplace and leadership, Christian leadership in the workplace. So I'd send your listeners to there too, Dare Great Things for Christ. Uh, but in that particular question, I love it because it's so real. And so many of us face that and you can feel really crushed when your management is, is, is out of kilter. And I would say on the one hand uh, that, you know, you don't have to necessarily stay, especially in today's job market, you know, to look. But on the other hand, it's part of what John Paul II frames in his letter on work as the toil and the real sacrifice that work oftentimes uh, uh, brings us to. And he reminds all Christians that suffering is sacred. So I'm not saying to stay in an abusive thing or in this toxic environment or all of that. I'm encouraging you to leave, as a matter of fact. But I would say that, you know what? Sometimes the workplace just is tough and you can't find the world's best and easiest place to work. And a lot of it is a great opportunity for you also to hone, number one, your own sense of of the, the meaning of your suffering and your toil as you continue to do what's good and right no matter what. And the second thing that you can hone is just your, your inner ability to transform difficult situations into positive ones. And this is where I would challenge our listeners and, and especially the men listening, fine, to, to do exactly that. Hey, rise up to that occasion because in your life, you're going to be dealt a whole series of difficult circumstances. And if you get in the habit of quitting and running away from here, you know, I mean, like when were you going to stop running? Just when life is perfect, it's never going to be perfect. It might be an opportunity from God to transform that by the use of your will, your mind, into a creative response that can flip that situation from one of persecution 
into one where you can actually use it to your advantage. And that is possible. And I would, I would say like, you know, if, you, if it's not the time to leave or if you, but like at the same time, what can I do here to reconnect with that boss, to help them to manage me better, to write the situation? I find honestly, Tim, a lot of our younger listeners or younger workers today are living in a bit of a pipe dream and they just expect all the bosses to be wonderful. I'd like to say, <laughs> if you can survive and where your boss isn't wonderful, you're probably in a position to be a boss one day yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Doesn't that speak volumes? And I think, Father Nathan, some of the difficulty that many people, I would say in particular men, have in the work environment is that when there's a bad boss, uh, men don't necessarily reach out for help. And when I say help, it might be getting the advice of sage wise men who have walked before them or just other people, even in that same work environment. I had a friend who was having a difficult time with a boss recently, but had a really great relationship with someone else high up in the organization and who, you know, they highly respected, had a military background and had kind of just a very well-rounded professional persona. And in confidence, this friend went to um, this individual in the company and said, hey, this is, didn't give any like, hey, pointing fingers, just said, hey, in confidentiality, this is a situation I find myself in. I'm being micromanaged. How do I handle it? And it was one of those moments where I thought it was so humbling and it was an opportunity to reach out rather than just hitting a wall and wanting to quit and walk mm -hmm. away. And I think that that's part of the difficulty in work environments is that we're not asking anyone or even the right people for advice on how to navigate. Instead, we kind of just complain and flounder in situations such as these. And, and it's the, the hallmark of a successful human being, male or female, to be able to navigate the, their course in life to happiness, no matter what life throws their way. Because if it's not gonna be this job, it's gonna be your, your next door neighbors in the home that you just bought that turned sour. Or it's gonna be the fact that your kids are rebellious or marriage that's difficult to fight through. Life is about fighting everyone. And, and, and you gotta recover that fire in your belly that says, I can persevere through this situation. And what was the advantage in the, the case you just gave? It's a great case in point, Timory, because that person right there, he just learned how to be coached. He gained an ally. He gained the wisdom from the outside. And it's all because he was determined not to just quit because it was a difficult situation or bellyache or point fingers. I mean, everyone, listen, we're on the, we're on the pathway up, right? Which means we're, we're at a lower position and we're trying to become better. The first thing that we need to say is, I'm not perfect. <laughs> and I get a chance to grow into perfection here. And hardship, difficulty, bad managers, bad bosses, that could actually be God's instrument also in your life to allow you the grace to transform that situation into something positive. I That's Father Nathan Cromley here on Trending with Timory. We will be right back during our weekly Gentleman's Hour to talk about the importance of truth for men in the culture today. And this is the question of the hour. Can men and women just be friends? Give me a call or comment on social media. So what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's our weekly Gentleman's Hour. The question of the hour is, can men and women 
just be friends? The provocative question. My husband and I have, have debated this for years, pre-marriage, post-marriage. I do fall a little closer to his perspective on this with a nuance, but I want to hear your thoughts. Numbers 1-888-914-9149. You can also share your yes-no answer and your explanation on my Instagram or Twitter. Follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Joining me now for our weekly Gentleman's Hour is Father Nathan Cromley, and we're talking about the important role of truth today for men. I think that this is a difficult topic in the respect that we live in a culture with a lot of propaganda and idealistic attitudes that put pressure on people, whether in family situations, in friendships, or in the workforce. And it's easy to take an ambiguous perspective or try to show an ambiguous opinion in order to avoid criticism or backlash. Father Nathan, how important is it that men overcome this ambiguous, silent perspective and speak truth today? Goodness. What a great question, Timory. <laughs> Listen, the fact is, if we don't speak truth, then others will speak lies. It's as simple as that, Timory. I if if we if we who are are, are men in this world are going to sit back and allow people to lie and denigrate the poor and mislead people down pathways that are futile, honestly, I mean, I don't know how you're going to stand on Judgment Day before the Lord. I mean, the Lord is asking us to be responsible and to be engaged with our talents, and the number one talent that we have is our brain. So I, I'm on this question, I, I got to say, like, I, I'm very strong. Here's the principle, Timory. Somebody is always going to be leading. Someone's going to be leading the conversation. Someone's going to be setting the pace. And to think that we're going to allow someone who is deliberately falsifying the world in order to gain their own advantage and profit by it, to dominate the landscape of thought, uh, I mean, Far be it from me, I'll tell you that much right now. And I think everyone's got to get a bit fired up on this question. We're so concerned that we're hurting people's feelings. We shouldn't hurt people's feelings. You can say it with a smile. You can say it with love, you know. But what you say is so important because people listen to what you say. And they depend upon you guiding them to say what's right. And if it's not that individual person... Think of the lives of those who depend upon them and who depend upon you for that right answer. So I I think it's part and parcel of the leadership and the responsibility that we exert in our world as, as the leaders God means us to be. But you just brought up two things that as a culture we tend to, especially from the millennial generation down, not like leadership and responsibility. In fact, I think many young adults quiver at the idea of being pressured into being leaders or being pressured into responsibility. Uh, They balk at the idea they'd much rather have comfort. Um, They'd rather kind of slide under the radar And so we're working against, I think, natural cultural attitudes today that push right up against truth just by our basic desire to be comfortable. I got it. Yeah. And I can understand that, you know, and I think a lot of people can understand that. But I want to challenge that position in this way. 
And that's to say, what would your what will your world look like as a result of that desire for comfort? Immediately, you might gain, you know, whatever the prestige of having friends and being able to hang out with with peers, etc. But what what will you give up for the sake of that comfort? And when you give up truth, you all to gain the comfort, for example, of having lots of friends, of being popular, being able to hang out at least, and not not rocking the boat. You've also paid a price for that and that your friendships are going to be shallow. And it goes down the line with other things in, in your society. If you don't stand up and vote pro-life and vote in defense for God's plan for marriage between a man and a woman, for example, and rise up and defend these God-given biblical principles, well, you, you get a short-term gain. It's true. You, you don't, no one gets offended. You don't have to have conflict. But think about what you give up at the same time. You give up a vision for life that comes from God and it's so incredibly beautiful and deep. And I guess mm-hmm. I'd like this to challenge by making everyone realize that whatever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So when you say yes to comfort or yes to getting along with everyone, what are you saying no to and is it worth it? Mm-hmm. You make me think about even just a philosophical app conversation attitude centering around truth itself. A truth exists independently of our minds. It's totally independent of what you think, what I think. It doesn't matter what our opinions are or what the opinions of others are. Truth is truth. No matter what we think, our thinking ultimately is supposed to conform with reality to object achieve objective truth. This is part of what it means to be human. This is part of what it means to achieve human flourishment. And ultimately, it's a part of what it means to work toward conformity with Jesus Christ, who is truth itself. So all of this being said, that when I think about how truth exists independent of us, when we are truthful, we show some things that I think are very important, whether in a friendship, a work environment, a familial relationship. When we are truthful, we show that we have integrity, that we have self-value, I would say dependence and fearlessness, because you're not going to cower when other people disagree with you. You're going to show that you stand true in that integrity according to the truth, that you value truth, but you also value yourself holding to that truth. And I think that all of these are characteristics that most men want, integrity, value, dependence, fearlessness, what man doesn't want to exude that in some way? And the reality is, is that we can show this. Men can show that by standing on truth in their actions and in their verbiage. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what else, Timur, to build on that, because that's an excellent point that you made there. And that's everyone needs to remember this. If you yield to the question of truth and say somehow or other that, there is no truth or you don't know where you stand or you're not willing to take a stance on something, you've actually become more divisive than you have unifying. We're, we, no one wants to be divisive. No one wants to put people down. No one does. But the only way to guarantee a true unity and a true harmony between peoples is when you have something that unites them bigger than their will. And that something is where truth comes in. And here's the challenge. I actually think that when you stand for truth, you can be kind. You can actually be open. You can open your arms wide to everyone because it's not about you anymore. 
And when we yield and we say, no, there's no truth, we've made it about whatever person's opinions in front of me or whoever is on the media. We end up running after everyone else instead of actually being a source of freedom in ourselves. And I, I would point out, you know, a great spot for everyone to, to realize this and to go back to this is to go back to that world of work. And the more that we engage in the objectivity of, the, of what we have to do in the world of work, uh, it's a great way to heal our minds towards, hey, if I can't just do any X, Y, or Z and expect the same results, that's because I'm seeing something objectively true in, in the world of work. Well, why isn't that the same thing in morality or the same thing in the political realm? Mm. And that I, is I encourage everyone to, mm-hmm. to yeah, to, it is a challenge of today, but I, I want to actually say that if you guys really want to make friends, then you get, you got to find something bigger than yourself to be friends about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where truth comes in. And this flows on a philosophical, anthropological, and theological tradition of thousands of years from Aristotle touching on what does it mean to be happy happy people are virtuous people who have virtuous friendships. And what he points to is if you want to have a virtuous friendship, you have to have things in common where you're striving for something more than just yourself. As you're saying, this is St. Thomas Aquinas, St. John of the Cross, St. John Paul II. All of them have echoed these ideas when it comes to the theology and philosophy circling around friendship that there must be something more than the Shangri-La attitude that can happen between a couple in that honeymoon type of attitude that you have to look out beyond yourselves and that ultimately it's not just self-betterment that should be improving one another in friendship, but ultimately truth. And ultimately that truth is God. And so when we're talking about truth being so important for men today, we're actually ultimately talking about how important it is to preach Jesus Christ and his message written into the human body, written into the design for society and the ultimate end for the human person. You know, Timory, I couldn't agree with you more. And I want to even, I get excited about this question because I want the, I want your listeners to just imagine if it was, imagine if it was true that actually your life was a marvelous adventure into discovering things that were infinitely greater than you. And that you, when you discover things infinitely greater than you, that you're actually then made to commune with those things in your heart, that you could be friends with God. You take truth away from that equation and you take God away and you also take the word friendship away. Because if, if it's not, if truth doesn't exist, then a true friendship doesn't exist. And I'll just tell you what, guys, I don't really want to live in a world like that. I find that incredibly boring to think that <laughs> In the end, I'm stuck with myself and my own opinions and my feelings are what must dominate. And everyone around me has to understand me, accept me as I am. The heck with that. I don't want to be accepted as I am. I want to be challenged by people and say, hey, you know what, Father? You could be better. Now I've got a friend. I said, wait a minute, I could be better? You mean I could find more happiness? Yeah. And here's how. If you change this and I challenge that and you discover this. Guys, in the end, the, the, the woke secular culture is boring <laughs> and it's <laughs> stifling. And I want you to rekindle the Christian vision of things, which says you are made to discover the infinite and to commune with the infinite. And, and, and in order to do that, the very first step is to admit that it exists 
and that you don't fabricate it. I think that's thrilling personally. And I want a world like that. That's Father Nathan Cromley here on Trending with Tim Murray, speaking truth, faith, and practical faith-filled business uh, practices for all to implement in their careers and in their home environments. You can find him at stjohninstitute.org. That's St. S-A-N. S-A-I-N-T, johninstitute.org for all of his programs, including programs for young adults, business professionals, as well as his podcast, Dare Great Things. I'll be right back here on Trending with Timory. We're taking the question of the hour. I want to hear from you. Can men and women just be friends? Yes or no? Why or why not? The vote is a little biased based on what men think and what women think. It's a little fascinating to see. We'll come back on that and also discuss difficult abortion questions that have come in, especially questions surrounding Plan B, hormonal contraception, and these as so-called solutions to abortion, when in reality they also perform abortions, even though the medical community tries to claim elsewise. But that is a myth that they have duped people into for years. We'll be right back here on Trending. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Okay, it is Gentleman's Hour, and the question I have been wanting to get to all hour is, can men and women just be friends? We're going to get to that in just a minute, but uh, Dave called from San Diego, and he said that he had heard me before claim, or that I said that if my husband was to cheat on me, I would divorce him, and he's asking for clarification, and isn't there room for forgiveness? Dave, you absolutely heard me wrong, because actually a lot of people have called and written to me, scandalized by the fact that I've said on a number of occasions if that when my husband and I were dating, I said to him that if I wasn't giving him license to cheat, but I was having a conversation that I thought was very important surrounding attitudes about divorce. And I told him, if you were to cheat on me, I would not divorce you because I do not believe in divorce. And so open a conversation of his attitude, vice versa, you know, and it's, I think, an important conversation in culture where I'm not saying that um, cheating is okay. I'm not saying that we should justify it or anything. What I'm saying is that the sacrament of matrimony and fidelity to matrimony is that important. And so great question, Dave, great clarification. Cause I know this came up in light of our conversation for the hour. Can men and women just be friends? No, I would not divorce my husband cheating or any other reason. The Catholic church calls us to fidelity in all instances in marriage. And is that easy? No. Is there room for forgiveness? Yes. This is a part of the journey of matrimony. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's a bigger topic for another day, but I wanted to clarify that. So the question is, can men and women just be friends? Every time I bring this up, I'm always riveted by the responses. So lots of people are voting now on Instagram. It's not too late to both one vote, but two also share your thoughts. We have votes coming in on Twitter as well, as well as some people calling and sharing your thoughts. Before um, I'm, and again, we're taking calls on this numbers one 888 Gentlemen, I'd like to hear from you. Can men and women just be friends? Kevin from Chicago's on the line and he's saying that men and women can just be friends. Can Kevin, welcome to Trending. Explain your position, please. Yeah, and uh, thanks for having me on. So um, the 
I think at the root of it, you have to ask, why do friendships start in the first place, right? So if you look at um, men and women as a whole, I do think that most men have more male friends than they have female friends and vice versa. And the reason for that is just because at a young age, you know, there are certain things that we get separated from. Um, you know, men play men's sports, women play men, women's sports. We share the same bathrooms and therefore we share this and we share the same interests depending on how we're brought up. But as we grow up and careers intermingle and interests intermingle, um, those are just new opportunities to start friendships. Now, some people will say, no, men and women can't be friends because there might always be some sort of attention there. There could be a sexual thing, but that's not always the case. Um, it, it, it's, it can and absolutely is, the fa- is a fact that men and women can be friends. Um, some men can't be friends with women and some women can't just be friends with men. But I would say that on the whole, we can be, you know, it's just um, we just have to find that commonality. Very keen insights, Kevin, because I think you bring up something that I think could even be distinguished because you're talking about how naturally, you know, during your upbringing, men and women generally tend to be separated into primarily um, friendships of the same sex. But as you enter into the workplace, you find a common interests and common collaboration that occurs where you build friendships based on uh, common experiences. And I think that that's a very important distinction because what you're saying though there, I think more so is pointing to um, friendly colleagues more than I would argue necessarily friendships. And I think that that's an important distinction because I think there are a lot of people who are colleagues and that were people who were friendly with, you know, you might go to a work event or maybe even go to a Christmas party or, you know, a handful of dinners throughout the year, but it's really just someone you're friendly with. You don't know them that well. You just have some common experiences where you can share some laughs or maybe even, you know, some heart to heart moments, but they usually end up being rather surface, surface level. They don't penetrate deep into the relationships of mo- of each other in more of your personal lives. Again, these would be more so colleagues. And I think that that, in my mind, again, goes back to this whole idea is we don't really do a very good job necessarily today of really kind of diving into like what defines a friendship. And there's a study done a few years ago. I wish I had the information in front of me, but it talks about how many hours it actually takes to develop like a colleague relationship versus a friendly relationship versus, you know, casual friends versus close friends. And in order to develop a really close friendship, you need about 200 hours to start to actually develop that close friendship. You you have to really rack up those hours. And so kind of bringing it back to work environment, for a lot of people, we're having much more um, quality time and face-to-face time sometimes with our colleagues than we are with perhaps even your own children or sometimes even your own spouse because those are the people we are spending the most time with. And so it can sometimes seem confusing when we're very friendly with colleagues and know each other pretty well, but at the same time have that level of separation where they don't really know anything about our personal life, our home life, and those relationships that 
really matter most to us. Uh, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Again, the question of the hour is how can men and women just be friends? So I'm fascinated by the votes on this because it tends to follow the usual conversational trend and that usually it's more so men who claim that no men and women can't just be friends and it's women who I would argue because I really held to this position um, were that men and women can be friends. Easy peasy, no big deal, even to the point of where I'd argue almost naively so, because I even in looking at a lot of the comments and votes, it tends to be women and in particular single women that believe, yes, of course, men and women can just be friends. And then it tends to be men and married women who say, no, 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 no. Men and women cannot just be friends. So my husband and I have been having this debate for years. And it's been an interesting one. We actually spent many late nights in our friends groups talking about whether or not men and women could just be friends. I've been one of those people who have always had quite a few male friends. I was a tomboy at heart, loved to do kind of more of the hiking and things that not all women necessarily are interested in always. Um, And so even in college, a lot of my friendships were with men. I think sometimes, too, this happens for a lot of women, whether it comes from broken female relationships. You could say girls being boy crazy. You could also say some women just being catty and maybe being intimidated by other women who are comfortable in their own skin. And so sometimes it's just easier for women to make friends with men. There's a lot less junk in relationships with men uh, than there are with women who I would argue have a lack of self-esteem. So there are a lot of things that play into this. So while for women, it may seem easier to have relationships with men, that doesn't mean that men and women can just be friends. And I think that this is where the naive attitude kind of does set in because the reality is, is that the law of attraction really does stand true. Opposites attract. You can enter into something that is just a casual friendship and then all of a sudden familiarity breeds attraction. Familiarity breeds interest in someone who you would never otherwise be interested in. I've talked to so many women. I think this is a really good argument for why friendship is a really great thing before dating because sometimes that helps us to stop being so superficial with regard to the people we are checking off and pulling off of our interest list as potential people we could date or even marry. Because when we become more familiar, sometimes we're less apt to be as picky about particular looks and little characteristics. And we learn to love another person in the face of their flaws or bad habits. Now, this whole debate was particularly prevalent a few years ago when Vice President Mike Pence was still in office, and many people would mock Mike Pence because the vice president would not go even out to eat for a lunch, for a work lunch, for example, with just a woman. He always had to have other individuals there that it wasn't one-on-one time spent with him and a woman. It was something he did to honor his marriage. It was something he did to honor and respect the women in other environments. And I always thought, you know, here Mike Pence is quite the gentleman. A lot could be discussed there, um, but quite the gentleman and someone who 
uh, is trying to honor his marriage and who's been around the block and has seen the divorce rate in the culture, has seen the brokenness in marriages, the need for women to be heard, seen, and loved by men, and the natural attraction, essentially, that's a little more common in men toward women. And so I think that Vice President Mike Pence took a very wise and prudent position that many people could learn from and that he was viscerally criticized for at a time when we like to try and say in society that there are no differences between men and women. And so as I've been looking at a lot of the comments and responses on social media, again, it is fascinating. It seems to be single women that we tend to think that you can be friends with men with men, and for long term, but as I've learned with time, especially entering into marriage, those friendships with the opposite sex really have to become friendships of both spouses. You know, the time for one-on-one private conversations and for advice with people of the opposite sex really needs to be downplayed because, you know, people don't always have your marriage um, best interest in mind. People don't always have your best interest in mind. And especially when you get into the law of attraction, I think that you get into dangerous waters. And I think that there is wisdom on the side of men where men seem to just get this a little more naturally, that men and women can't just be friends long term. It it's especially puts a lot of, I think, single men in an awkward position uh, when they're thinking just friends and women's thinking more than that. And then they're leading the woman on. Uh, There's so many nuances to this debate, but I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on this. The number is 1-888-914-9149. You can also send me a message on Instagram at Timree. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Okay, Kathy in Southern California is online too, and she has a thought about whether or not men and women can just be friends. Kathy, welcome to Trending. What is your insight on this? Well, I don't know if you're old enough. I don't think you are to remember the movie. He's just not that into you. But when a guy is just, they're just not into every female. They really aren't. So when they're not, they're open to being friends. And I, for one, I'm still a single female, still waiting for God to provide that spouse that I'm pretty certain he's got out there somewhere. But I have a lot of male friends and a lot of single male friends, too, that we're just, we're not into each other in that way. And, but we share a lot of other things as the earlier caller mentioned, we share a lot, we share our faith, we share activities that we enjoy. We've spent a lot of time together. We've done great activities together while we're, we're each waiting for our own significant other. So if he's just not that into you or she's just not that into him, Absolutely, you can be friends. Kathy, I think you bring up a really good point where sometimes those conversations need to be had, though, as well, where people really understand there's a boundary, there's a line in the sand. I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't get to it, where whether you're married or whether you're single, the boundary has to be there, that you make it very clear in your behavior, you're not interested in any sort of romantic or dating relationship. And the other side is making that clear. And As you're saying, it sounds very clear, Kathy, you're in a wholesome environment where you have other people who are seeking the good of each other. Uh, You know, they're seeking faith. They're seeking, you know, growth that you can have these common interests in mind and be able to enter and maintain those friendships. But in time, often 
those tend to break up as people start to move along, as they start to get married, and less boundaries are upheld. And I think that that's something I always look to Vice President Mike Pence's uh, situation where he had clear boundaries. And so I think that, and I think a lot of the feedback we're receiving on social media and your thoughts, Kathy, and from others like Kevin, I think men and women can be friends at the end of the day, but it requires boundaries and clarity of intention and self-control with how much we share and don't share in those relationships. We'll be back with more questions on the abortion debate tomorrow here on Trending. Trending.